Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are and you know what time it is. This is Tyler Sheff and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And here we are once again. We're going to dive back into seller financing. But this week, it's going to be pretty sexy. It's going to be from a different perspective. And we're not talking about real estate. Good God, are you money? I said it. We're not going to be talking about real estate. We're going to be talking about seller finance and something else. A cool little idea. A lot of you I talk to on the phone, you go to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask Tyler. You whack that button and you get on my calendar and we start chit-chatting about this, that, and the other. And sometimes I hear, but Tyler, I want to start a business. I want to listen to old Mark Kohler and get my side hustle happening, but I don't have any ching-ching. I don't have any money. I don't know where to get my money. And I tell people, guys, go out and figure out a way to make it happen. Reach out to somebody that's got something that you need. Find out how to use what you have to get what you need so you can accomplish what you want. That is not original. I didn't come up with that one day in my sleep. That's what I learned from Peter Fortunato. And frankly, that's in part what we're going to talk about today. Now, you guys know one of my favorite people on earth is Larry Hardbolt. I'm I'm always excited to talk about what Larry taught me because I'll be honest with you, Larry is a big piece of what I've accomplished in the real estate space. He helped me, he gave me permission to get creative, to roll up my sleeves and make things happen. You know, I've watched Larry work and he's just an amazing individual when he's really on his game. I was telling a story to my partner, Mike, the other day about Larry talking to the city of Tarpon Springs when I was having some plumbing work done. I had my my septic system converted over to the city. And basically, not because I really wanted to, it's because I got one of those, you will change your shit pipe and, you know, or we will find the living hell out of you. So I just complied and wanted them to get out there and get it done. And then I had made sure I had Larry there. We were recording some podcast episodes, I think some marketing videos for one of his courses um, and matter of fact, if you ever want to learn more about Larry Harbolt, go to LarryHarbolt.com. That's H-A-R-B-O-L-T, LarryHarbolt.com. He's still doing courses despite the pandemic. He's got a couple of great courses out there. Land Trust is one of them. Uh, LarryHarbolt.com forward slash Land Trust or LarryHarbolt.com forward slash No Banks will take you directly to his two courses on Land Trust and Seller Financing. Seller Financing is what we're going to talk about today. And how this episode came up is that Mike and I have been busting our asses the last couple of weeks, putting together this webinar for you guys. A lot of you were on the webinar yesterday. I'm blown away with the response we got. We had a lot of people come in. We had a lot of questions. We had great, we just a great setup. Um, and guys, that didn't just come to us. I mean, you know, it, it, a lot of practice, especially working with a new platform. We weren't used to the webinar jam. It was a little scary, I'll admit, from time to time, but we had a good time doing it. I'm glad you guys, we had really good feedback from the webinar, and we're glad you, you're glad you guys showed up. And more more importantly, shout out to those that pulled the trigger and are joining us down here in Key West. And it's exciting. I mean, it's really cool that people buy into what we're doing. Mike, um, we can you could speak to, the, we sat on this, we've been on Zoom. Mike and I have been on Zoom. How many hours a day, Mike? I've lost track for the last couple of weeks. I feel like yeah, I'm one of your family members. Although I haven't got any of your leftovers yet. That's true. It's usually because I'm a greedy bastard, capitalist pig, and I eat them all. And you don't come down enough. You know, Mike's all about business. He's, he's one of the fancy jet pots. So he flash flies in here all suited up, looking pretty with shoulder boards and a tie. Does business, goes meets with a couple of brokers, walks a couple of properties, has a cocktail. Then the next day, he's on the road, heading to the airport, on the flying the, the friendly skies all over again, which I got to ask you, man, I'm... According to the news cycles I watch, I hear the skies aren't so friendly lately. What's that about? Uh, well, they're friendly um, on the other side of the door, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 starting to get um, a little bit better in the back. But 
as you've probably heard, it's kind of like a boxing ring yeah. in some of our planes. Oh, my God. So what happens in the cockpit stays in the cockpit. Guys, I bet they don't even notice we're back there. They probably hope that we don't notice they're up there. <laughs> That's why they spend such a so much time focusing on practicing their landings. And speaking of practicing landings, guys, I got some exciting news to talk about. Now, yes, we got the Key West cash flow thing going on. If you guys, this is your first time on the podcast, you need to get your ass over to keywestcashflow.com. You'll see webinar registration links. You'll see what we're doing down here. We're buying guest houses and, and multifamily uh, mixed-use properties, and you've got a lot of exciting stuff going down here. We're basically opening up the opportunity to invest in Key West to America, which is awesome. I mean, before, this stuff was all like behind the scenes, and you had to sit there at, at the bar and Sloppy Joe's try to figure out how the hell do you afford to buy that place across the street, and the answer is you don't by yourself. You get a group of like-minded people together and you get after it, you get it done, you make it happen. And that's what we're doing. So if you want information on that, go to keywestcashflow.com. If you want to get on a call with Mike and I directly and talk more about that, you just put in forward slash call behind that keywestcashflow.com forward slash call and off you go. But what's even more exciting than that short story guys. So, and it actually has to do with Key West. So I'm, I set up this big thing years ago, back in 2007 or 2008 to propose to Jill. And this is our favorite place on, on the planet. Jill and I are dating. My friends are like, yo, if you don't marry this chick, you're an idiot. You need to marry this girl now. She's hot. She's cool. And Jesus, she owns her own house and a boat. I mean, and a pickup truck. What the hell could possibly be wrong with this woman? You better marry her. So I set up this big thing. We're coming down to Key West. She doesn't know. It's a big surprise. I'm going to propose to her on stage at Mallory Square in this little pop-up concert that I heard was happening with one of the members of the Coral Reefers band, Jimmy Buffett's band. So I'm like, this is awesome. We're both big parrot heads and Buffett, Buffett friends or Buffett fans, the whole nine yards. We come down here. She has no idea it's happening. We walk out to Mallory square and the freaking concert got canceled. Somebody got sick. I'm like, Holy crap. I've got a ring in my pocket. I got to propose. And then it just didn't happen that night. So now I'm like consumed all weekend with this whole Jesus. I'm not gonna be able to propose to her. So I want to propose to her like on a Saturday night. Of course she said, yes, we've been married ever since. It's been a long time. But uh, that's my little, my little uh, short story about one of the experiences we had in Key West. So literally, we got promote. We I proposed to, to get married to Jill here in Key West, uh, right over on Simonton Street. As a matter of fact, and uh, good memories, good times. So that brings me to some other good news that's happening. You guys are gonna get to hear me more of me. I mean, for some of you, like ah crap, I have heard enough of you already. But for those of you that actually like what I have to say, um, then I'm gonna be on the radio a lot. As a matter of fact, I've been offered an opportunity to take part in Tiki man radio as a, as a, one of their hosts. And I'm going to have my own show on Tiki man radio. If you want to know more about Tiki man radio, go to Tiki man That's their website. And you can download read the recorded episodes on SoundCloud. You can watch live on YouTube and whatnot. I, my show is going to be about a month out before I launch, because I'll be honest with you, I have to get a new laptop and I'm waiting for Apple and to send it to me. And that's going to be a while. So I can run the, the streaming software so I can stream. But my goal is to be streaming live on YouTube. I'll try to see if we can get her, get her over on Facebook Live. Um, it's going to be cool. And I'm trying to figure out the show, show format right now. It's probably going to be music that makes you happy, right? Because at the end of the day, I live in paradise. No sense to talk about politics and drama. Who gives a crap about that? It's just going to be a cool show. I'm going to be talking about some tropical music, some country music, some feel-good 80s classic rock. I'm just going to figure it out. This is my first time, so be nice. Don't worry. You won't offend me. You can be an asshole. I'm used to it on YouTube anyway. Um, and I'm also on the, I've got a YouTube channel going, which is going pretty well down here in Key West. And 
So lots of exciting stuff happening, lots of putting lots of feelers out there, growing the realtor side of my business, growing the fund. Everything's really, this is, this is my time. I keep telling you guys in 2022, this is your year, man, but you got to take big steps. You know, it's huge for me being, going to have, I have to be an extrovert. Now it's easy to sit behind a microphone and sound like a tough guy. It's harder to stand in front of a crowd and talk to people, especially without a microphone. So this has been a huge learning curve for me. I'm a great, I love public speaking, but I'm not the type of person to walk into a room where I don't know anybody and get to talk to people and, and be comfortable with that. That's been a process for a long time. It's easier for a lot of people than it is for me. It's a big struggle, which brings me to, I get it as a real estate investor. It's tough to be creative. It's very easy to think about what the seller won't accept. And you wind up not feeling what talking about what the seller might consider. And this episode came from, born from a conversation that Mike and I were having just a few minutes ago. I literally pulled this episode straight out of my backside and said, dude, let me go potty and fill up my water bottle. We got to talk about this because the people need to hear this. This is good stuff. And it's a story. Mike's that guy. He's an action taker, right? Mike was, dude, you were an engineer working as a civilian for the Marine Corps originally, right? Yeah, way back when, but uh, I'm on my fifth career now. So right. yeah, that was a previous life. <laughs> You're good at the startups. You got that down pat. So then he goes to work for Noah. He's got a college degree. So he goes to work for Noah. That's where I met him a couple, I don't know, a decade ago or so. Um, he's a, he's an officer, commissioned officer working for Noah. And then he does really, he gets transferred over. He you know, bust ass. He does really well on the ships. And then he goes over and gets in Noah flight program and gets his pilot's license and then figures out from there that he wants to be an airline pilot. Now he's flying a big old honking Airbus. I mean, that's pretty exciting. Um, he won't let me ride in his lap, damn it, maybe because I'm too fat, but I am working on work on, on losing that. And I can't, I don't know, maybe my head won't fit through the door or something, but who knows? <laughs> but you're telling a story, Mike, about you. We, we're both students of Larry Harbolt. Mike's a student of Larry Harbolt, big fans of Larry. He's awesome what he does. Mike has been to Never Step in a Bank program for many times. I've been there more times than I can count. I could teach it right now. I know it so well, but you applied it to a vehicle and I want to tell that story. So with that, tell me how that played out. Just go ahead and have at it. Yeah. So I went to Larry's never stepped into a bank class four times. And part of the reason why, because after the first time, anybody who's been there, you come out and your mind is kind of like warped. And all of a sudden you start thinking of things that you never thought of before because you actually realize that uh, you don't have to go to a bank to get a mortgage. You can actually write it yourself, bring it to an attorney, get it signed, and you own a mortgage. Yeah. So I was so excited. I just got home after Larry's class, and I had a, a, a painter come over. He was painting my house because I was about to sell it and move out to Colorado. I also had to get rid of my car, too. That was a side issue. And he pulls up in a Geo Metro with two ladders Hanging out the windows, out of the back windows. <laughs> Redneck Riviera, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Redneck. And so I was like, guy, do you need a truck, don't you? He's like, oh my gosh, I would love your truck, Mike, but I, I can't afford it. I'm honest with you, I cannot afford your truck. Ooh. So ding. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, I just got out of Larry's class. How can I, can I try this out? Wait a minute, wait a so, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're the seller. I also, no sellers want seller financing. How the hell that, <laughs> that happened? Did you mean to tell me that you actually learned that there's a benefit for the guy selling? After taking Larry's class for four days, oh my gosh, because I wanted the interest. I wanted, all of a sudden, the bank doesn't have to get the interest payment from my friend. I could get it instead. So 
Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I'll be honest too, Tyler, I think you've got the same thing. So when you see another entrepreneur and he's trying his best, I, I'll do anything I can to help him out. Yeah, absolutely. And once I figured out how I could, I was like, all right, let's sit down. Let's write this up. So uh, yeah, today was a big day. I brought up to Tyler because I got my last payment. The lien has been fulfilled and now it's his truck free and clear. So he sent me a text message just saying, Hey, thanks so much. You've, you've helped me out. So all these years, because we structured it so we can, he can pay the payment that he knows he can afford that. He's not worried that he's not going to make his truck payment and, and lose it. So now he says, uh, Hey, anything else I can help you with? I'll be more than happy. He's over the moon because now he has the, the truck finally, right. and he was able to afford it all this time. And I'm happy because I got a little bit of interest out of it. So, so now he's a realtor. You said actually, yeah, now we went from painter to realtor. Yeah. So that's kind of awesome. Cause number one, I dig it when somebody comes out of the blue collar into the lighter blue collar, I guess you could call it. But more importantly, he's a realtor that has seen a creative way to do something. What a concept. Oh my goodness. Cause that makes like eight of us now. Because <laughs> the other nine million are going, seller financing's illegal, which is code for I don't understand it, therefore I'm scared of it, right? So nobody had to explain to you. Well, that's not true. Larry explained to you the benefits of seller financing. So what's in it for Mike? Why do it? See. I guess it opened up my eyes to what happens when you go to a bank and you apply for a mortgage, all those closing fees, which uh, all those banker fees that they kind of like, I just sign here, just sign here. Don't worry about it. Right. It's like, wait a minute. Why are they getting all the money? Yeah. I'm the seller. <laughs> yeah. Why are they getting the interest payment? What's up with that? I'm the seller. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so if I can all of a sudden become the bank and now I don't have to fee him to death, like, you know, the bank across the street does, but now I make him happy and make myself happy because I got more money than I could have if I, you know, sold it to anybody else on the street, honestly. Amen. Because you made it easy to buy. So easy to buy. And he was thankful because I, instead of him asking me how much it's going to cost, I turned it around. I asked him, how much can you afford? Right. And then we worked back from those numbers. And so he came, he came out of it super excited because he felt like he was in control, which he was because I wanted to make sure he paid. <laughs> you know? So you got a guy who without this arrangement would have a tough time buying a decent vehicle for his business. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you're able to help him in that regard, but at the same time, and what I love about this story is that, and guys, I'm hearing this story for the first time. Mike gave me like the first sentence and I'm like, stop, let me tinkle. And we're going to turn this into an episode because I'm, I'm learning as you guys are learning. So stay with me on this. You find this guy. He's, you already know him. He's your painter. Obviously, he does good work or he wouldn't be working at your house. And I sold your house, so I know what a good job he did painting. Um, that's a whole other story we talked about a couple months ago. But um, you got this guy. He's has ability to pay. You qualified him, right? He's got ability to pay. Whether or not he pulled his credit, I guess, doesn't really matter. At the end of the day... He's got a real good feeling. He trusts the fact that the guy's a good businessman. He does good work. It's likely that he'll pay. Whether or not, did you put a lien on the property or on the, the car, record a lien against it? No, or? That's right. Yeah. So there was a lien on the on the truck. Okay. What's that look like? What does that involve with, with a car? 
Uh, yeah, it was a lot easier than I thought. So my attorney was already familiar with it. So he drafted the, the lien for it. Okay. And I literally went to the DMV with the buyer and showed them the lien paperwork. And it was very easy. Very, very easy. Didn't What what had happened if the guy would have gotten in a car accident? I mean, what then what? Yeah. So just like if he were to go to, uh, you know, no name bank down the street and right. get an auto loan, it's the same exact process. So he owes me that money no matter what. So, but what, if, what if he doesn't have any money to pay you? He wrecks the car. He doesn't have any money. Where, how does Mike get paid? Exactly. So the attorney put in there that like, if he wrecks the car, it's totaled, I've got to get my money back. So I have uh, the ability to pretty much go after him personally uh, in order to get the rest of the funds. Just nice. like any mortgage or bank loan would be able to do. So how does it work as far as insurance? The guy's required by law to have insurance on his car. He gets in an accident. Because you have that lien recorded, does that mean that you get paid first? Or That's how, correct. How's that play? Okay, good. So yeah. how much, did, if you don't mind me asking, what did the attorney charge you for this whole thing? This must have been thousands of dollars for to make this happen, was it not? I think it was uh, $150. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> 150 bucks. So, because half the people are like, I can't afford an attorney for that crap. What the hell? I mean, if I'm going to sell the car for 10 truck, how much do you sell the truck for? Let's start there. So the truck, sold the truck for 6,000. 6,000. All right. So you got a little more for the truck than you would have probably, you probably got a lot more for the truck than you would have if you would have went to a dealer and traded it in because the dealer then has to turn around, clean it up, sell it and make a profit for it sitting on their lot, occupying their dirt. So let's say if you trade it in, then maybe you'd get like three grand, right? So auto right out of the gate versus a trade in, you're making double, let's say. Retail, you cash buyer, everybody says a cash buyer. People blow up my phone with my properties. I get all these wholesalers, half of them don't even speak English. So they go, I give you a full cash close in 15 minutes. It's like, dude, shut up. You don't have any cash. You're a wholesale. You're broke. That's why you're wholesaling. Come on. Um, so I don't believe in having cash is garbage. And frankly, the U.S. dollar is worthless anyway. I mean, I, Monopoly money has better spend value than the U.S. dollar. Uh, I should try that at a titty bar someday. That'd be interesting. Just Monopoly money and see if it plays <laughs> out. That'd be funny. Problem is I don't go to titty bars, but, you know, that's just my thing. They never really did much for me. But anyway, $6,000 for this vehicle. You got the interest? Yes. Interest on top of this? 6% interest. Okay, 6%. So this is a guy who may or may not have qualified for something walking into Bank of America or Wells Fargo and have to jump through the car loan hoops. You charge him a fair interest rate so he didn't whack his head off for 18% and make it so that he can fail. And guys, think about this. I see a lot of people, I used to invest uh, some money. I, I like to invest small amounts of money in different things from time to time. It just is a whim to test it out, right? One of them was uh, this company that gives loans. I think it was like Prosper or Quicken Loans or something like that where I become the investor and I put in, I don't know, five grand, six grand, like Mike did. And then they find the person that wants to borrow the money. They make a little spread off of it for putting the deal together. I get the interest and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's like they're whacking these people's heads off, like 29% interest on a car loan. And then everybody's surprised, including me, because I was an idiot. I was surprised that they didn't pay the bill. I'm like, why wouldn't you pay the bill? Because that's what you're supposed to do. And then I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't pay the bill because you couldn't pay the bill because the freaking interest rate was 29%. The bank is raping you financially to make this happen, which is a bunch of bullshit, in my opinion. That's just me. And I, frankly, I've been uh, I've been a victim of that. When I was in the Army, you know, the government or the creditors thought 
dude's in the army. We can get his money no matter what, because they'll just take it directly out of the guy's paycheck. And I just borrowed everything I could because I was a 19-year-old kid and I didn't know any better. And I got myself into a world of shit, uh, borrowed more money than I could afford to pay back on a private salary. And I wound up with bad credit, which really, you want to talk about being a, a, a cash cow for lenders. Go ahead and have shitty credit and then see what how much lenders make off you. But they they exacerbate the problem. They make it worse. They make it, you've already proven that you failed by having terrible credit in the first place. And then they guarantee that you'll continue to fail by knocking your head off at 29% interest. And you might unwind that by saying, okay, 6% makes sense because my money up until last week is outpacing inflation. Um, inflation keeps rocket shipping to the top. It's like a big fat hockey stick. But let's pretend that we had a different uh, people running the Fed and the and the government, and maybe things weren't such a train wreck as they really are financially in the world. And interest rate. Let's say if the the uh, the inflation rate's five percent, you're collecting six. Then you're you're to the good. You're one percent to the good. You're making an extra percentage point. So your money's making money. You're not just doing somebody a favor. And that's cool that you do somebody a favor. But that's kind of like. When I talk to real estate investors, brand new, I'm like, well, so what do you want to do as a real estate investor? Well, right now I'm flat broke and I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment, but I'm going to try, I'm going to do my first deal, um, giving it, I'm going to create low income housing for veterans. Like, okay, that's admirable. I get that. I'm a veteran, you know, hoorah and all that shit. But at the end of the day, you're already broke. So you're going to stay broke so that you can help somebody else stay broke. wait a minute, how about you go do a deal for profit, get your money right, as old Uncle GC says, and then go actually do something to really give these guys an advantage. Go go get wealthy and then give them a free place to live if you want to do that. That's cool. So I I, I, I went way off track. You're helping this guy. He's paying a 6% interest. He's an entrepreneur. Now he's in business. He's got a truck. Does he do better in business or does he? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Okay. So now yeah, he's he texts me every month. He's like, thank you so much for the truck. I can actually bring all my stuff in one car load. And more important than that, it, it made him be more confident, you know, right. showing up to a new house. He's got a truck when he wrapped it, not a geometro with ladders hanging out the window. Right. Geometro with ladders. I owned a geometro admittedly but <laughs> many, many years ago. Oh God, that was embarrassing. That was a rough point in my life. <laughs> oh, that was no fun. <laughs> I remember those years. That was before Jill. <laughs> but not that Jill would have married me anyway, even if I had a Geo Metro, because she's not that flashy uh, type of girl. She's she's a simple girl and, and good old fashioned values. But part of big part of the reason why I married her. So the guy's doing well in business. Didn't you? Did you fear at any point during the process that he wasn't going to pay you? I did. Okay, let's I talk did. about when that. We, yeah, when we were sitting down writing writing it up. Um, originally I was going, he was going to pay me 400 a month. And so I got a little worried about it. So I was like, Hey, let's come up with a number that you are a thousand percent sure you can pay. That's smart. That's smart. So what could he pay? So we came up to 200. He said, okay. half." Yeah. He said 200 is real easy for me. So, you know, Larry taught me how to use a financial calculator. Right. So I'm like, well, with the financial calculator, I could just do that. With the 6% baked in, okay, it's about, about 33 months. So to reduce the risk, I felt like, let's come up with a number I absolutely know he can pay. Okay. And that's how I reduced it. And every time he sent me the check, 
he also told me how much money is left uh, on the whole on the whole lead. I'm like, okay, this guy, he he means well. He knows where we're going. He knows how many more payments to do. Right. And every month he thanks me for it. Hey, the truck's doing so great. Thanks for the opportunity, Mike. That's awesome. So he's grateful. He's savvy. He's an entrepreneur that's succeeding because you structured this in a way that he could succeed and not knock his face off with a $600 a month payment or a $400 a month payment. You're making him, he's paying 200 bucks. Now he succeeds. So you're not chasing him halfway across town looking for the trail of, of bare paints on the ground to find out, to collect your payment because you made it easy for him to succeed. That's a home run. Yeah. And I'll add this in too. So he's a realtor now. When he was going for his realtor's license, right. he had to quit painting. He had to put all of his time into that. Right. And so he called me up and he said, Hey, Mike, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to have a hard time paying this month's payment. Right. Can, can we reduce this payment uh, for this month down to $100 and then we'll just extend the length of loan? Absolutely. That's brilliant. You call up a bank? <laughs> yeah, have fun with that. Should we talk about Wells Fargo? I mean, geez, I, yeah, I name dropped him because it's my freaking show and I can do that Wells Fargo, so don't sue me, bro. But it's not my fault you guys suck at what you do as far as a bank, but I'll make the story short. Mike, will keep you out of it so you don't get sued. But you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, we call up Wells Fargo and we want, because we, we're looking at all options, right? We're raising capital to do deals. We thought, you know, maybe the maybe the bankers want to be involved in this. We'll at least run the gamut and see what the worst they could say. Well, let me tell you something. So here's how we pitch it. Look, we're buying these assets. We're raising private capital. We're going to buy these things cash, and then maybe we'll recollateralize by pulling some of the equity out, provided the investors agree, which will allow the fund to grow because we can bring bank or institutional leverage into the deal. And it's a great thing if we can't get seller financing and whatnot, which those of you on the webinar last night or yesterday, I'm sorry, uh, realized that this deal, this first opportunity that we're doing, 50% seller financing. I mean, yeah, that's called a knock it out of the park, making it happen and a really nice interest rate, attractive terms. So you'd think that Wells Fargo would be on board with that. So they, they hear you out. You know, what do you guys have? What's your net worth? Yada, yada. And we're not, neither one of us are broke. We have great credit. I mean, our credit scores are in the high sevens or low eights, depending on the hour and the economy. So we're doing everything we're supposed to do, crossing our T's, dotting our I's. We've got equity. We've got assets. We've got all these good things. They're like, so you're going to have to personally guarantee it and have it. We're not going to go more than 50% loan to value. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're, I'm going to buy a, cash flowing multi-use commercial asset at which time you would first appraise to know its value before you put money into the deal. So in this case, three and a half million dollars, $7 million buy that appraises for 8 million. Well, just under 8 million right out of the gate before we even make it better. I'm giving you 50% down in cash essentially with a 50% loan to value ratio, actually better than that. I'm giving you more value than, than what I'm borrowing. And you want me to personally guarantee. So let me get this straight. If we don't pay for some crazy reason, which would be dumb, but I get, you got to understand risk. If we don't pay, you get my cash cow, you get all that equity. And then you want to go after me and Mikey for, for everything we have. Sorry, Charlie, that's just taking advantage. That's like, I don't know. That's a little much. Uh, that that's like the, something the U.S. government come up with. That's not. That's beyond leveraging risk. That's just financial rape, in my opinion. So I got to say, my good job putting that thing together. Um, 
That's awesome. And so now fast forward, he's a realtor. As we said a minute ago, he's a realtor that has a clue on how to be creative. And it sounds like since he reached out to you when he did have a little, uh, not necessarily a problem, but he was making a change and he reached out to you to see if he could negotiate something that would allow his change to continue, which to me is much different than I can't pay my bills. It's, Hey, I want to better myself. I want to make more money. I can do that. Can we hold off for a second or tweak the terms to make all this work? That's what I like. That says a lot about that guy. I mean, that's awesome. I'd like to have him on the show, frankly, one of these days. So next time you talk to him and say, come on the podcast, because I want to hear his side of the equation as the borrower. I hope you weren't a dickhead lender because we'll uncover that. I'll suck it out of him and I'll embarrass you. I wouldn't do it. But yes, I would. <laughs> you know me too well. But um, I think that makes for a good show because I really want to hear how the heck does he know? Where did he learn that you could even do that? Because I wouldn't think to do that with Bank of America or Wells Fargo because you know damn well what they're going to do. Oh, you can't pay? Well, then bring us the keys, bitch. That's really what their response is, which is sad. So good on you for that. Awesome. Anything you want to add uh, to that before we wrap it up? Well, I got to say, by being the bank, it's a lot more satisfying. One, because I was able to reduce the terms for that one month. I could watch him grow. We kept in touch with each other. And now, literally, he, he's celebrating me because I just sent him the release of Lean. The truck is all his. And now, just to experience his excitement, and he's telling me he's willing to help me out any way he can with, you know, other aspects of life. It's just, I don't know. I feel like more of a citizen rather than just a user of a bank or just a a user of some institution for money. You know, I'm, I'm part of a larger community. Like it used to be a hundred years ago, really. So what do you say to the person that doesn't have the guts that this guy has to reach out or, and I know this was your idea for you to make it worth, make it so he could buy the truck as the seller. And that's rare as a very unique situation. What do you say to the person listening to this episode right now who's thinking, but man, I'm scared to death to ask that seller to finance me because they're just going to, they're not going to do it. They're going to take one look at me and I'm too short. I'm not pretty enough or I'm not tall enough or I'm not driving a Mercedes and they're just going to laugh at me. They're going to say, no, what do you say to that person? Educate them. Educate Educate the other side of how it could benefit them. Nice. You know, Larry always talked about the seller financing is amazing because both sides benefit. Right. But we're so used to this world where we're just used to the bank benefiting this mindless, nameless bank. But when we bring things uh, just to person to person, you get the satisfaction and you realize, wait a minute, oh, well, you can make money. I can save money at the same time. Win win. Win win. See, that's it, guys. Win win. I learned years ago. Uh, actually, it was a training I took from Keller Williams Realty, and it was basically how to, li- it was how to, how to negotiate with buyers and sellers when you're the realtor with your fee. And that's why I, I do quite well with my fee structure. Um, and people are happy to, to pay me. I mean, I get great commissions, but I'm also, that makes, helps me become a great realtor because I'm successful with uh, making sure I get paid well, which of course then I feel obligated to make sure my seller gets paid well. So that's good stuff, Mike. Now, guys, I'm going to leave you with this. It's real easy to, focus on what won't happen or what could go wrong. Uh, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago on the, uh, when we're talking about consequences and the difference between generations, my generation, Mike's, our, Mike and I are in the same generation. Our generation was taught to focus on consequences. Um, we have to focus on consequences. We have, what if we fall and break our knees? What if, you know, 
Mike's an airline pilot, so what if the air, airplane doesn't work or the landing gear doesn't go down or one of the plane, the engines go out? And so he trains and trains and trains and trains focused on what can go wrong. That's inbred, in, inbred into us. That's just how we're, our generation is raised. But the younger kids, the younger folks that are out there crushing it right now, these guys that are sitting there and even the stock market went wild. Some There's a lot of probably 18, 19, 20-year-old somethings that didn't think about all the consequences and then went out there and crushed it again. You know, they may have lost their ass by noon, but by five o'clock, they're up 10 million. If you guys ever heard of uh, Meet Kevin on YouTube, that dude just sold $20 million of his assets, but he wasn't freaking out about it. Go watch his video. He's got a plan. He was not focused so much on the consequences. He was focused on the possibilities. Why did he sell when the market was down, which I've rallied against for years. Don't sell when the market's down. stupid. But after watching his video and Graham Stevens and a, a couple others, it's like, I get it now. He, he cashed out which means he could take a tax loss if he wants, as long as he doesn't buy the stocks. And I learned that lesson the other day on Facebook, which was pretty cool. Shout out to, forgot who, who taught me that, but it's on my Facebook feed if you guys go on my Facebook feed. But um, so he got a tax advantage. Now, I guess the rules are, I'm not an IRS guy and I'm not a CPS, CPA, but you just can't invest in the same stocks in a given period of time or some shit like that. Talk to your CPA. I'm not a CPA. This is not financial advice. I'm not a licensed person. I don't take a helicopter to go to work. So there's your disclaimer. But seriously, um, thinking outside the box, allowing someone else to pour into you, to teach you, in this case, Mike, you pour into him, it's awesome. That's how the world goes around, and that's how you guys can get stuff done. So before you think about what the seller won't do, as Larry Harbolt, going back to Larry Harbolt teaches, don't tell me what you won't do. Tell me what you will do. I love it when he says that. All sellers initially are going to say no to seller financing, sure, yada, 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 unless you were talking to Mike, and Mike would have been, sure, matter of fact. Mike was all about it when we sold your house, Mike. I remember that. I said, dude, can I offer seller financing? He's like, I'd like to cash out, but well, I'll entertain it. And I used it as a negotiating chip to create a freaking melee of people standing at the door because they, oh my God, I can seller finance this house. So when the real buyer shows up and he's like, holy crap, I got 67 people putting offers in on this house. Now, he didn't need to know that 60 of those 67 were people that wanted the seller financing, which is the only reason they're putting an offer in the house. They didn't give a hoo-ha about the house. That got him off the diamond. Dude paid. We went way over. I mean, we went way, way, way over expectations. I broke my own personal best record. But uh, guys, you can't focus so much on the consequences. And I know that we're taught that way. But instead, think about the possibilities. Think about educating the seller. As Mike, as you said, educating the seller on what are the benefits? What's in it for the seller? Okay. It doesn't matter what's in it for you. Nobody gives a damn about what's in it for you. Nobody cares about you. That's just the reality. That is the way things are, guys. Once you get on board with that. That's how it is. Mahatma Gandhi, great guy. Mother Teresa, right? Does all these amazing things and all they're selfless. That's bullshit. I'm not taking away from what they've done. They've done lots of good things. But at the end of the day, they do these things because it makes them feel good. Mike just said it. He just laid it out. Maybe not even realize it. The biggest, he got much more pleasure out of the feel good than he ever did off the 6%. I mean, I'll do the math right now. How much do we sell this thing for, Mike? $6,000? Six thousand, yeah. Six thousand whopping dollars times six percent. He made ooh three hundred and sixty dollars a year profit over three years. That's not even. That's a little over a thousand dollars gross. So it wasn't about the money. It was about getting the deal done. Yes, he got more money for the vehicle, so he had a couple thousand dollars there. It's not a home run, but he ha It's a win. It's a win-win. It's a feel-good. Mike feels better about himself. The buyer definitely feels better about himself. And while we're taking notes, um, 
he's feeling good about himself and the seller and the situation. And now that guy's empowered to pour into someone else. It's exciting to have somebody like that with a real estate license out there doing good in the communities. I'm sure he has. And dude, if you're listening to the episode right now and you are that guy that Mike did the deal for, and you're willing to come on the show and talk about it, say it isn't so. Say it. So, I mean, just Mike reach out to him as well. Let's get him on the show. And those of you who want to hear from this guy, and what's his first name? I don't want to embarrass the guy, but Josh. Josh. You want to hear from Josh, send an email to info at cashflowguys.com, info at cashflowguys.com, and tell me, bring Josh on the show. We want to hear from Josh. Guys, have a great week, and we will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.